listening to The Lake. Good evening. You are listening to The Lake. My name is Jan Strecker, and uh, this is the program Søens Folk. And it's number 10 in a row. Actually, it's the last, at least in this season. And we're ending off with uh, British composer and percussionist Greta Ekot. Uh, very much welcome, or maybe you should say welcome to us. Thank you very much. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Uh, we're here in Amma at my temporary housing, um, staying with my boyfriend's mum. Lena. Lena for a few weeks. And um, it's great to have the late radio coming to visit on a Sunday night. I like going live on a Sunday evening and this is actually a, a really nice Sunday evening because it's raining. We have a nice view over the Amma area here. And it's just, yeah, I'm nervous and relaxed at the same time because I know that we're going to listen to a lot of great music and the whole the general idea of this program is that we invite ourselves to come visit uh, guests in our show so we visit them and then they choose all the music and the music goes in the Lake Radio's rotation that's kind of what the program is about and uh, that's also a way that we get interesting guest creators for the Lake Radio but um, I mean before we start talking about uh, you and talking about mu- like music and your work and the different things that you're involved in maybe we should just like start listening to a track that you've chosen sure and i might add that also with us tonight is uh, Rasmus Kleve Christensen he's both technician and co-host Rasmus yes hello and i just realized that we have some sort of uh, echo problem that i am going to solve as soon as possible i think People can understand what you're saying, but you sound a little weird. I'm going to fix that. I, that's okay. Play play your track. I hope it's a long track. This this first track is very short. It's 49 seconds. Okay, Cleaver, you have 49 seconds to solve uh, the I technical can, issues. I can follow up with a longer track <laughs> right after. So, What do you have for us? This is just a, a little MIDI sketch called uh, Crazy Drums. And it's one of your own. And it's one of my own, yeah. Welcome back. It seems as though we still have these technical issues, but uh, I think that's okay. 
we can't hear them. <laughs> I mean, the listeners can, but um, what was it that we listened to? Um, that they were just a uh, yeah, a couple of uh, percussiony sketches I made. MIDI, um, yeah, MIDI, or what like um, yeah, keyboard with lots of nice sounds on. What were they for? The sketches? They were actually not for any particular reason. They were just uh, me jamming alone. <laughs> I mean, without knowing that much about percussion music, it sounded a little bit Japanese. Okay, yeah. There was um, the first one actually. I in my description to myself, like name for it, I wrote Taiko Pileup Sketch because there is there was something Taiko, like Japanese Taiko drumming about it. Can you explain is, to our listeners what Japanese Taiko drumming is? Um, yeah, to some extent, it's um, well, it's a drumming which kind of comes from Buddhist temples, like you have. In Japan, you ha they have celebrations where there's these big groups of taiko drummers, and it's a very kind of choreographed, specific way of drumming, um, which I think is kind of to, yeah, like kind of like church bells. I think it plays a similar role, like to announce celebrations. Or I'm not I'm not completely sure about this, but it is a it's kind of a part of a religious temple uh thing and um they're yeah the taiko drums are amazing because they're very they're incredibly loud and some of them are very very big have you heard them uh, in concert yeah i've heard them i heard them in japan like in the streets and and then i also actually saw the kodo drummers who are like the most famous uh big taiko drumming troupe who tour around the world i saw them actually at um The venue, the concert house by Forum. Yeah, uh, yeah. what the the part of the uh, part of the conservatory. Yeah, yeah, that's the old uh, yeah, Dennis Radio's concert hall. I saw them there. Yeah, um, and there's also actually an amazing Taiko drumming school in, kind of in like somewhere maybe around Valbu or somewhere that are really cool, like amazing Danish youth Taiko group led by some young Danish people who studied with these Kodo drummers and they're really good. I had some, I had a few lessons with them wow. like in this back, you know, in a, in a shed in Valbu where they have Taiko drums and very thick soundproofing. But you are, you've also studied in Tokyo, right? <laughs> yeah. I studied marimba. Marimba. Um, yeah. With Keiko Abe, who was kind of the biggest marimba player ever. <laughs> Or like wrote, she, Yeah, she did kind of everything with turning or transforming the marimba into a concert instrument and creating a lot of repertoire and designing the instrument like a, the big marimbas that you see in like concert halls. Yeah. She was kind of part of designing those, the first ones. Can I ask our technician a question? Yes. Does it sound better now? Yeah, I solved the problem. I um, accidentally had my... Uh, I forgot to turn off my broadcasting test. So the test was running while we were also broadcasting. That's why we had two <laughs> two of the same thing on top of each other. So I apologize because it actually ruined uh, the first thing that Greta just played. Um, because we heard it like with a delay. 
So maybe we should hear it again because it was very short. We could we could do it one more time for the listeners, or we can just continue. What do you think, Greta? Um, maybe we should continue. Yeah. I'm just thinking, th I'm going to find some music maybe by this yeah, remember player. It, I was about to ask, do yeah. you want to go down that road or uh, do you want to play something else? Because, yeah. I think let's go down that road. But um, I just need to find it. Also, I can say that we don't have much percussion music uh, floating that around the lake radio. I mean, uh, yeah. We have some, but we could definitely use some more. That's Wonderful. Yeah, let's, that's why we're here. You're going to get some more. Okay. Um, we can explain to the listeners, maybe those of them who, who don't know this, that uh, all the stuff Greta plays tonight is uh, going into the lake's rotation for ever after this. As long as the internet and the lake radio exists, it will be in the lake. So that's quite a task we have given you, Greta, to. But I take it seriously. We trust you. We're glad. <laughs> All right, so I have a, a track lined up now, um, which is Wind Sketch by Keiko Abe. And it's, um, it's a piece for solo marimba. Do you for, know when it's from? Um, actually, I'm not sure, but I guess it's, it's either 80s or 90s-ish. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. Let's listen to it. Thank you. 
All right. Can you just remind us, Greta, what we just heard? Um, yeah, that was Wind Sketch by Keiko Abe, and it's a piece for solo marimba. Um, and that that was performed by Keiko Abe herself. And it was really nice for us to, like, we're sitting here in this, uh, what you in Danish call a kenap, sort of, in, in this apartment, and the rain is hitting the windows, and it sort of blended very nicely with the marimba, the soft marimba playing. But Greta, um, I think you're one of the people I've met that knows most about percussion music. Um, but you want to tell us and the listeners a little bit about how you got into playing percussion and and why. Yeah, sure. I mean, I started to play um, drum kit first when I was about 10 years old. I was really, yeah, just wanted to play drums and got some drumsticks and played on the kitchen table and gradually, you know, got so interested that I got a drum kit and was playing drums in bands for my teenage years. Um, and then I actually started playing marimba because I heard an amazing Japanese marimba player who was teaching at this percussion school that I went to a percussion school on Saturdays with like 20 kids playing percussion and this amazing Japanese marimba player came and after that then I was like okay I want to play marimba you know and I got really focused on marimba and um, kind of yeah I got really into that and played marimba quite a lot for quite a few years and now I'm kind of more back to playing drums or percussion but that was my that was my pathway kind of through the percussion world so far how easy is it to play like I can imagine a 10 year old kid like playing a drum kit and I can imagine that being quite fun <laughs> but like how is it to be a kid and playing marimba it's like it's sort of a very grown up very it's a classical instrument it's like very Like, yeah, but I mean, you you start with all the classic, uh, easy stuff, same as piano. Like the first song I played, I remember I I actually played Glockenspiel first, the small metallic one, and the the first song I learned was Spanish Flea, which is the and then you know which sounds yeah. great on marimba and Glockenspiel <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the same as any instrument, kind of, I guess. You start start with some basics and but I, I also didn't I mean it was I was like sixteen when I was getting into playing marimba kind of more seriously, so then I was a bit older anyway, so it made more sense to play some other repertoire. <laughs> and when you I mean when did you move to Copenhagen and was it was it to go to conservatory here that you moved here or was it the other way around? It was, I studied for six months in Copenhagen at RMC and then I left because I had to finish my studies. But then, what, I mean, in the six months that I'd been here, I was like, okay, I'm moving, you know, when I'm when I'm done, I'm moving to Copenhagen. So yeah, then I moved like kind of more permanently three years ago and I've been here since then. <laughs> I think we should talk more about some of your musical projects that you've started after moving here mm -hmm. uh, later on, maybe. Maybe we should listen to some more music and before we do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any particular area I should go into well, now? 
now we've talked a little bit about marimba, so I'm just like Some, all, all yeah. hyped on marimbas now. Yeah. Do you have any recordings of yourself playing Spanish flea on marimbas? Sadly not. Sadly not. All right. But um, <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe there, maybe there's something on YouTube. No, I doubt it. Um, but I could play. Maybe I'll play an excerpt from because this is marimba that I recorded in Bronsoy Water Tower this oh, time yeah. last year, which was um, part of the Winter Jazz Festival. Um, and we did like a kind of proper recording the day before. And I just got the master file back. So it's a nice time to. And this is an old water tower that's sort of turned into a venue and has like a reverberation time of, I don't know, half a minute or something. Yeah. It's like really long. Yeah. So everything sounds in insane in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun to try recording in there. I recorded it with Charles Damgard Holm. And he had a really nice, uh, good setup in there, like, you know, 100 microphones up and down the tower. And wow. yeah, I mean, not 100, but it was more it was more than a Zoom kind of. Uh, it was quite a fun thing to play with the reverb, like within across the tower, you know, how it sounds. Um, so I'll just Would love I'll to just, hear that. I'll just put this on. It's actually kind of mixed percussion. You'll hear it starts with some dramatic bass drums and other stuff, but. There's, it gets the summer in Basso. All right, awesome.
Okay, so I think we're going to interrupt this piece now. Just to not use all evening on it. But um after this program it will put of course we'll put all of it in the in the lake's rotation. So when you stumble upon it there you'll hear all of it. But right now it's just on in the background, that's fine, it's very quiet. Um but maybe we can just like fade it out real slow. Um but I wanna I wanna talk to you, Greta, about some of the other musical projects that you've started and been part of while living in Copenhagen. What was sort of what was the first thing you got involved in when you moved here? Do you remember? Um, I think when I moved here, I mean, when I moved here, I was kind of in this period where I was organizing a lot of stuff and doing a lot of one-off, um, one-off projects and one-off events. So I did a lot. I think the first year I lived here, I did a lot of one-off projects which were maybe kind of slight manifestations of other things I was doing or completely just doing something completely random for a one-off. and um, Like for a concert? or like Yeah, like for a concert, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen you playing some different things. There's one project I really like called Brother Magnus. Yeah. Where you play the... You're one of two drummers in that band. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That I yeah actually that band I kind of joined also the year that I started here or the band was birthed. Um, yeah, and it's led by Magnus Back, who's writing all the music and being the band leader. And then it's him and his brother on guitar and me and Kristen playing drums. And yeah, we've been going slow and steady since then, kind of one concert a year or two concerts but it's really it's really nice music and and then there's the G-pop orchestra the yeah. G-pop orchestra what what is that it's a band actually that i started in i realized 2013 oh. when i was kind of living in leeds but i spent a lot of time in london and the band yeah the band started then and it was a uh, kind of mixed per- like percussion and brass and woodwind and flutes and stuff like that um band and then it ever since then it kind of manifested every few months it would change into a different lineup and so it became really this kind of orchestra thing where i was using it kind of also to test out writing for different or just whatever i wanted to write i brought it kind of into the gbop orchestra and then it was turned it into a live band experience um but yeah it's had like i don't know i sometimes have tried to count how many people have been in it since then but it's like it's almost like a hundred people in because i did so many yeah different concerts and different lineups with the band and yeah some one-off ones where also maybe there's you know 15 people part of it for one concert or and a lot of the British members have been shifted to, for Danish members, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's always also kind of locally sourced players. So every time I've been moving, also it's involved, yeah, different people. And then sometimes there was some hybrids, like in, I think in 2018, we released a record that was a mix of the kind of, uh, some of the original players from the UK, like Alex DeLittle, who played trombone. Um... And then players from Copenhagen that I was working with 
and then my friend Knut, who's been in it for quite a long time as well, who lives in Oslo. So there's sometimes there's a nice mix. But also now there's, yeah, the sixth drummer formation, which is all Copenhagen drummers. So. Is it like six drum kits or is it? It's normally like two or three drum kits and then, yeah, three, three or four people playing other mixed percussion. Do you have any recordings on your computer of the the G-pop orchestra or yes related uh, <laughs> yeah. related stuff? Yeah, I actually thought I might play. Um, I thought it could be fun to go through a bit kind of chronological G-pop because sure there's quite a stylistic shift which you can maybe hear and yeah. it will help you to understand the the evolution the, of the evolution this. of the band. Yeah. So I'll play, um, this is from like our first ever concert. Um, In 2013? Yeah, I think, or 2014. Um, and it's called Theme, Theme G-Bop. And it was also kind of one of the first kind of things I was writing on marimba, you know. Um, we'll go for that. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. 
where the track ends that is you say again there's a recording from from when it was that's from 2014 actually um we recorded in this garden this garden in the elephant and castle um yeah and that was it was kind of that was the beginning of uh, i can say also one take records because at that time that i started g-pop orchestra i also got really interested in or was like Yeah, I got really interested in one take recordings because I'd had I got very frustrated with working in kind of ways like editing and stuff like that and I got really into the idea of one take. So the record label's label like like that's like an ideology or an aesthetics of the labels like one take? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh how it started and that's kind of with that? Yeah, pretty much. Let's talk a little bit more about the label later because yeah. while we were listening to this uh, piece of uh, G-pop orchestra, you found some scores and you s- told me it was from a commission from Jazz Festival yeah. in Copenhagen, 2016. Yeah. yeah. And what strikes me is that it's also a s- not just a score for music, but also for moving around in space. Yeah. And I noticed that it's something that you you explore in in your music. Can you talk a little bit about that, this spatial aesthetics? Yeah, I can. It's um, so I have to backtrack a little bit to for it to make sense, maybe. But I can say that yeah, when I studied in Japan, I was one of the things that I was really struck by. Also, was the attention to, or how p- players were paying so much attention to how and where they placed notes or played notes, and the, the like the tension they were able to create around that, and how that like worked in the music also that they were playing and also yeah a lot of I mean Japanese music works like that that there's one of the most important things is kind of how and when you place the note and it's built around that and I looked into that more and I found out that yeah uh, it's kind of explained in some way with this the concept of ma which is a spatial aesthetical aesthetic term which deals with the placement of um the 
placement of objects or the ten the yeah, the tension it's a it's a specific uh idea about um the spaces between and treating space and placement within space and yeah and i got i got like really into that for lots of years and was looked into it a lot and then and then at some point it kind of brought me back to i i then brought that into looking at rhythm and like if you look at rhythm from a spatial point of view of course rhythm is yeah like what i had described like punctuations in space and if you architecture exactly exactly yeah and um if you view view it spatially you can be much more malleable with it potentially because if you view it from in a kind of structural way or within structures that already exist maybe you feel it's harder to push and pull and treat it how you want but if you just view it as blobs in space then you can pile them up and move them around and do do what you want with them so then I, I kind of brought me into a wider thing about like just looking at space as a compositional tool and also then outside of rhythm, but also like like in yeah, spatial arrangements and yeah. It sounds like it's very difficult to capture in recording. Yeah. So these scores, are they're not necessarily recorded. Um, some, of, some of them are... Um, but I mean, some of the the ones where the people are moving around, I guess, are I mostly mean, for performative things because the idea is that there's humans in the room with these performers, and then it's a live, it's kind of a live spatialization which is happening. But I would also, I actually never did a kind of proper recording of these, but I think it would also actually work really well on recording to have. I'd, I've done it on some recordings, like the bronze piece. Actually, I'm moving around quite a lot in the space at some points and. You can hear it, and it's a nice effect to, um, yeah. But our listeners, of course, cannot see what we're looking at right <laughs> now. Can you shortly describe what it is? Um, yeah, so we're looking at a series. As uh, I think there were six pieces, and it was a set of pieces or five pieces that form a set of pieces called Spaces Between, which are, yeah, it was a like a a percussion piece, um, and the idea was kind of that they're there are these five pieces and each of them can kind of become a bigger work, like a whole concert. Each can be last for 40 minutes or it can be combined with any of the other pieces to create another set. Like you could have two of them or three of them or five of them and you could also play them in different orders and that they would make sense because they're 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 all dealing with the same thing in different ways. And yeah, they're dealing with ideas of space in composition so um yeah and therefore six percussionists yeah i'm gonna jump in right now i'm really um i hate that we're making a radio program and not a tv program because the, the listeners really should be able to look at these scores they're like really beautiful <laughs> beautifully made um with all these like little matchstick characters and and then the tra- trajectories or like the 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 paths they're going to 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 walk to perform the piece it's very very nice i put a picture on our instagram so people can see it 
or a story anyway <laughs> yeah do you wanna um play some more from the Jeep up back catalog <laughs> yeah shall i go so before we had the theme jeepop which was the first ever jeepop piece um and now maybe i thought i could go to, i could jump into kind of the middle middle era jeepop um and i'm gonna play i'm gonna play awkward groove which actually as it happens also has a very long tuba introduction which i will <laughs> for the purposes of variation i will maybe skip um what was it called again this one's called awkward groove awkward groove yeah so awkward groove without the tuba intro it's coming up you, you only get one tuba intro today That was uh, awkward groove. Yes. I don't know how awkward it was, but it was groovy. Oh right. <laughs> Maybe it was awkward. <laughs> if if you want to dance to something like this, it might get a little awkward. I'm not sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your label, One Take Recordings? Yeah. So you mentioned why it's called One Take Recordings. Yeah. I guess <laughs> because everything you do is one take. That was the idea with the label. Yeah. Or that. Yeah how it started and yeah we've released uh basically one take yeah one take stuff there's but there's been a few bend like you know artistic creativity bending the the idea of one take because i also i just have a feeling about some stuff like this is one take like stylistically it's one take even if it's not so then i then i then i allow it on the label you know because it's uh, somehow fits in with in some way or another fits in with the one take ethos which yeah when you say we are there more than you running the label it's basically just me yeah. i mean now yeah i when i set up my friend alex who was uh, also playing in jibo orchestra at the time was helping out a lot and um but now since i've been moving around a lot and stuff it's it's me running it so have, who have you released 
mostly your own stuff or? yeah we released basically just jeep of orchestra records for the first couple of years and then uh in 2017 we or 2018 we had the fourth birthday and then we released a record by lisa larson which is um kind of montage of fan rotating like cooling fans from youtube um that she made which is really nice like kind of white noise pulsating like good stuff record it's called blown away um and then we released uh was that a record or cassette tape it was a cassette tape i think i have that one yeah maybe yeah, yeah i had it at the uh independent label fest i think yeah, the yeah, past yeah. couple of years so very sparsome information on the on the tape yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's true i don't think there's any information on the tape but yeah so we yeah released something by Lisa and then my friend Knut who plays it, uh, drums in Jeep Orchestra released a solo drum record. That's really nice actually. I would like to play some of that later maybe. Yeah. Um, or now if I can find it. Um, and then we've also released a dance music record by my friend Rudy, aka Rude Food, from the the darkest depths of London. Um, so, and that was like electronic music or yeah, dance music, but that I felt had a very one take spirit. So I thought, please come and release. And uh, it was also a one take spirit in the, how we made the release was that he sent me a hundred tracks on the day of the release and I randomly selected 10 of them. <laughs> and then that was his debut album. So there so was at a, least only digital though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah digital plus artwork yeah. so i felt that that was quite a that was also in the one take spirit somehow and you you're entering one take records soundcloud right yeah to find something to play for us now exactly you know what yes i'm gonna play this this is uh the knut kvifdenesheim solo drum record and it's on the record there's like 12 one minute pieces or something like that so no, that doesn't make sense. Maybe that's a bit too short, but yeah, a few short, short pieces, drum piece, solo drum pieces. So we're staying in the percussion uh, part of. We stay in the percussion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also the one take records is, I'm gonna say slightly steered, steered mostly in the percussion direction. We uh, we haven't we haven't expanded to other instruments yet. We're just. <laughs> um, Okay, but this one's called U2, and it was released in 2018.
right. That was a short one. Oh, we'll listen to another one? No? That was just a reload. Ah, Some automatic stuff. Uh, yeah. All right. So I wanted to ask you about... Um, so yeah, there's the G-Bob Orchestra. There's oh no. <laughs> SoundCloud is tricky. It is tricky. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I wanted to talk about one of your other sort of initiatives or aliases or things you've put out there, which is the... Is it called Percussion Outreach Program or Percussive Outreach Program? It's the Percussive Outreach yeah, Program, yeah. that makes sense. W what is that? Um, it's basically the the name I use for... Well, it's actually... Yeah, it's it's when I do percussion-focused either events or radio. I did it... I used it... Actually, I made it also because I was organizing some percussion focused events and then it was nice to have a, a bit of an umbrella to organize it under but um i haven't done so much of that recently so now it's a radio show which is once a month on mmh radio mmh radio our colleagues i guess you can call them yeah another copenhagen based online radio yeah that does a lot of like uh, live dj um programs right yeah and you have one once a month there yeah yeah it's the second thursday of the month from six till eight no six till seven and lots so now of you know that three advertising here <laughs> we don't have a lot of advertisement on the lake radio but this that, that was just one <laughs> all right cool but that's just you playing percussion music basically it's yeah i have a lot of guests normally occasionally it's me by myself but mostly i invite people from copenhagen or random people coming yeah to and you town. talk a little bit about it yeah 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 And sometimes if I'm away, I get some people to take over. So so who else, like who will take over? Who's part of the outreach program it's besides you? It's um, it's actually just like people far and wide. There's no one really part of it apart from me, but I've asked lots of yeah, local artists and DJs and people to come and play. So there's been different takeovers. Um, cool. Should we go back to the G-Pop Orchestra Evolution okay, uh, yeah. themed playlist? Yeah. Yeah, so the last one was Awkward Groove from the from the middle middle ages of <laughs> G-Pop Orchestra. The middle ages, the dark ages. Is uh, that it was that still from when before you moved uh away from Britain or It was actually the year that I moved to Copenhagen. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. Basically. So the next thing will be from sort of the the Danish years. Yeah, the, from the Danish the years, the, contem years. the contemporary. Um, I think I will actually... Um, mm, sorry, I'm just... <laughs> Search, searching through endless yeah. files on your computer. Uh, there's okay yeah so that was the awkward groove which and now we'll go to f this was a g-bolt formation called formation y which was the one which brought together some uk players together with copenhagen players and it was also one that i described as mixed bag because it's uh it's like a mix of percussion with other instruments so it wasn't 
It was a very transitional piece. Yes. <laughs> in the history of cheap yes. orchestra. And it was also the record that we ex we kind of experimented the most with post production, but we didn't go that far. But still, it's uh, for one take records. We went a bit further than usual. Thank you. 
And again, the SoundCloud curse. Oh no, the iTunes curse. Some something else started playing. This we reached the end, kind of of the G-pop uh, saga. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, the f- the last stages, or the as of yet. When, when was this from? Um, this we released uh, this year, oh, last last year. Yeah, last summer or something. I think it was uh, Rock Fluid from the last record. Where was it recorded? It was recorded actually at RMC. Yeah. In the yeah, in one of the rooms. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it while we listened to the music. Is there any reason why you haven't released this in a, on an analog medium? Not, not especially apart from that. I've been releasing it on my label, and we didn't have we. I say I didn't have uh, the means to make a record actually. So, will there be I, a G-Bob Orchestra record at some point? I hope so. Well. I would I would like to make one. But I also because of how I've been working with the band it's also about moving through material quickly and I don't I haven't wanted to get stuck on like like spending three years to make, you know, turn this music into a record somehow. Because I at the time when I've been making this I've wanted to move on to the next thing very quickly. So it works better for me actually to do these one take style and move on and uh you know, not take too long about stuff. But G-Pop's orchestra is something that you see existing for a number of years still with changing uh, members. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure actually. No. I mean, I I've also I can feel that I explored lots of the things that I wanted to do within that uh, setup, and so I don't know if I if if I think if we do more, it will be in a different uh, format or like I've been thinking a lot i would like to do it for like um theater performances or something to kind of be the band for some you know for dance you know to be doing yeah, rather some... than concerts to be like the musical group for production so but there was something that crossed my mind while we were talking about the spatial aesthetics of um, of the music that you've composed that have you worked with dancers actually no i haven't um but i have thought about it a lot for a long time so i would like to, um, also because of the rhythm, the rhythm interest. Um, I think it would be really interesting to work with dancers because it would be a different kind of approach to them working with music. I think potentially. But I think they see the space in some similar ways that you do when yeah. you score for, well, yeah, yeah, for they, a, like a spatial performance. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would be a really interesting thing to work with dancers maybe we've reached the end of the g-bop orchestra saga yeah. now and i'll quickly uh, address our listeners actually if yeah. you've just tuned in now you're listening to the lake radio and my name is jan and besides me is rasmus we're the hosts of the evening and we're here with greta ikot british composer and percussionists and we're in ama in a in a small room here and outside is your mother-in-law watching tv with her dog jackson yeah and it's sunday evening 2020 if you're listening to this in 30 years this is kind of the setup (laughs) and we're going to go somewhere else now because we've we've asked you before we came to find some music that you wanted to add to the lake radio's rotation and you i just had a glance of what you've lined up and you also lined up music by other composers and yourself 
Yeah. Some of your maybe earlier heroes. Yeah. Maybe we should go there. Yeah, I thought it'd be good to go go kind of back to the roots to some obvious uh, some obvious music that might not be in the lake radio, but that I think maybe maybe should be. Maybe it's time. Yeah. So yeah, I just we'll maybe go through some of my percussion related heroes or percussion composition related heroes. Yeah, because there's a text here on the floor. There's yeah. a bunch of papers on the floor and one of them says Tempus X making a, a composer's reflection on musical time by is he French? Yeah. Girard Grisset. Exactly. How do you pronounce it? I mean I I don't That's know. Especially, yeah, <laughs> Gerard Grisset. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a composer, a percussionist that I don't know. Maybe yeah. you can explain to our Yeah, he's um he's actually famous as a composer for making spectral music. Um, but he wrote, uh, he hasn't been writing, I mean, he's been writing lots of music for different instruments, um, but he wrote one amazing percussion, just percussion piece um, called Le Noir d'Etoile, um, which I saw performed in Oslo like a few years ago. And I had no idea what I was, what I was in for, but it's an incredible, incredible piece of like long percussion piece for percussion it's 40 minutes long or something like that and um it's really one of the i think one of the most kind of striking modern kind of visions for percussion and how it works is yeah the audience are in the middle and then there's six percussionists with like quite a big drum bass setup um, spaced around them and uh as you'll hear the piece deals a lot with like creating these kind of dense masses which sweep around the audience in a circle so um and it's a very i think it's a very powerful visionary piece of percussion music can um, you capture that in recording you can't really capture it in recording i wouldn't say i mean you definitely can't capture it in recording actually um but you can get an idea of uh this like the the style of it um i think it's a i mean Percussion somehow can be problematic with that because a lot of stuff can't, can't be captured in recording with percussion sometimes. It's super dynamic. There's, yeah, they're super dynamic and there's it's just incredibly hard to capture on recording. For example, the marimba pieces by this amazing marimba player that I played earlier, there's no good recording of any of them. It doesn't sound like the marimba, you know? If you're in the room with her playing, it's the most unbelievable experience and then... On the recording, it's like it's not even the instrument. So there's still some <laughs> there's still some work to be done, I think, to capture what percussion instruments actually are doing, you know. Um, and but so I'll play some. Well, please do play some of this. And this is not a recording from Oslo, though. It's from no. This is uh, Les Percussions de Strasbourg performing. The piece Le Noir de Toile by Gérard Grisset. Le monde est plus faible que celle qu'il vous faut pour tourner une seule page de votre programme. Le premier pulsar que vous allez entendre ne peut être observé que dans l'hémisphère sud. Il a été enregistré sur bande magnétique à la station radio astronomique de Parkes en Australie. Il se nomme Vela. Résidu de l'explosion d'une supernova que les hommes primitifs ont sans doute vue en plein jour 
il y a douze mille ans. Il tourbillonne sur lui-même onze fois par seconde. L'autre pulsar s'observe dans l'hémisphère nord. Il a été gravé sur bande magnétique au radiotélescope de Nancy, en France. Il se nomme 0329 plus 54. Les chiffres indiquent ses coordonnées équatoriales. 3h29 minutes d'ascension droite et plus 54 degrés de déclinaison. Il effectue 1,4 tours par seconde. La supernova qu'il a engendrée a explosé il y a 5 millions d'années et ses impulsions radio mettent 7500 ans pour parvenir à la Terre. Acheminées dans la salle de concert, elles sont exactes au rendez-vous. Grand phare du ciel, les pulsars vont guider notre navigation musicale. Écoutons ces horloges cosmiques égrenées leur seconde. Nous avons rendez-vous avec les gardiennes du temps. C'est un rendez-vous amoureux. Ouvrons la fenêtre et attendons l'heure juste. Jean-Pierre Luminet, astrophysicien à l'Observatoire de Meudon.
<laughs> that's what you call an Amma fade. Uh, like DJs from Amma call it that anyway. Um, so we have a new guest in the studio. Yeah. Do you want to present this new guest? I would love to, with honor. So who we've got who just joined us here, he's called Jackson. He's a very small dog that looks like a latte macchiato. And I don't know if he's got some words for us. Jackson, hey, what's up? I got some sniffing sounds, I think. Yeah? Yeah. No barks. That was a good dog sound. Sing a song, Jackson. No? All right. Okay, but he's happy. He's wagging his tail. <laughs> he's glad to be He's all over all your beautiful scores now. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the, tape, uh, on the good. floor. So should we talk more about some of your heroes? Yes, we'll go through... Are all your heroes sort of related to percussion music? I mean, not in a wider sense, maybe of of my life, but I I, I chose... Your musical this, heroes. <laughs> for, this, uh, for this program, I chose to just stay focused on somehow on the percussion aspect of my life. So Fair enough. In that, in that way... Lots of my heroes are in some way related to percussion, either writing for percussion or 
percussionist themselves or um yeah so what's what's the next thing you want to play i would like to show well this is actually a music documentary about yep. harry parch um who harry was a parch. composer who built a lot of well he worked a lot with microtonal music and he ended up building like a whole amazing set of instruments percussion instruments that were microtonal and writing lots of music for them and in this documentary they they're taking kind of a tour of the harry parch uh, instruments so so when is it from I'm he lived sure. in like the like mid 20th century right that was his yeah he was i mean like Well, he lived for a long time, but that was sort of when he was yeah. I came think into like 70s and 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s. I'm not. I'm actually not. But even before, I think even earlier than yeah, that, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, earlier. But yes, I gotta jump in here and tell yeah. you that I've actually heard, there's a German ensemble that had his yeah. instruments reproduced. Yeah, and I've heard them in um, in Oslo performing both some of his compositions yeah. and some other uh, new commissions. Yeah. You saw that too? No, I didn't, but I saw that it was happening that they truly amazing. Yeah. Truly amazing to hear these yeah. uh, instruments. Yeah. Uh, especially his own music. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I mean, of course a lot of tuned percussion instruments anyway, like you know, folk folkloric instruments anyway, are mo microtonal instruments. Um so it's also a bit back to the roots that he's uh, exploring this. Um He's also written an amazing book about tuning and yeah, whole kind of philosophy of tuning. But maybe oh. we won't go into that. I mean, I also Harry Parch is not my. Uh, I wouldn't say he's my hero in so in the sense of like someone that I've looked lots into. But um, but what I've dabbled in with Harry Parch, I am very interested in. But are we just going to watch an excerpt from the from the small documentary? Or are we going to watch the documentary? We're gonna just watch watch some of the documentary. Or listen to actually. Listen to listen to. We're gonna listen to us watching the documentary. So, if if there's something that doesn't come across in the audio, maybe we can try and describe it as well, like like what we did with the scores. So this is music studio Harry Parch. given to me by a Japanese calligrapher has hung on my studio walls in recent years. And it says, though homeless, you make a shrine wherever you are. At the moment, my shrine happens to be in Chicago. And if it is a shrine, it becomes one only through the musical instruments that I have around me. These are unusual in size, shape, and philosophic purpose. They are a musical necessity because I am essentially not an instrument builder, but a composer. 
I am a philosophic music man who long ago was seduced into musical carpentry. As a composer and a musical philosopher, I make my living by selling records of my music. I am both the manufacturer and the retailer, and I distribute the records very largely by mail. My music and my instruments are the expression of an ancient tradition in which sight and sound unite toward the achievement of a single dramatic purpose. This is not concert music. It finds its highest purpose in collaboration with other arts, with dance, with tragedy, with satire, with farce, and in the present instance, with the art of film. Unfortunately, records carry their message only to the ear. They bring no similar and unifying excitement to the eye. With film, it is possible for the eye to explain to the ear and for the ear to fulfill the vision. Some 35 years ago, I began experimenting with musical scales different from the piano scale. And for theoretical and practical instrument building purposes, I determined on a 43 tone to the octave scale. Here is the scale on my chromolodeon, an adapted reed organ. ancient Greek and harmonic scale. Now another ancient Greek scale. The 13 sub-bass reeds descend to a 33-cycle tone, the lowest C on the piano. Even lower tones are given by my marimba eroica, which has only four tones, but the lowest is about 22 cycles, an F below the lowest tone on the piano. Unfortunately, sound systems are generally not capable of reproducing the profound resonances of this giant marimba. The huge mallets are sometimes put aside in favor of gloved hands. Going up the scale with the same type of instrument, the blocks become smaller, but this, the bass marimba, is still so large that the player must stand on a riser as he does with the deeper marimba. The large mallets produce a full resonant tone. The tips of fingers a sharp bongo-like tone.
completely different type of marimba is made from 64 sections of Philippine bamboo, each with a vibrating tongue cut in the open end. Boo is my name for this marimba. Five different sounds are heard on the instrument that I call the spoils of war. The first two are produced on brass artillery casings and large Pyrex bowls. The third is a high block tone. The fourth, a deep tone. And the fifth is made on a piece of spring steel The diamond marimba has 36 blocks placed in diagonal rows so that one stroke of a mallet will play either triads or full chords. Right hand strokes are major while left hand strokes are minor. A passage of music shows one of the diamond marimba's potentialities. I call this instrument the cloud chamber bowls. The centers of the carboys from which they came were used in so-called cloud chamber experiments. Harmonic canon or harmonic law goes back to the ancient monochord for its basic idea. The monochord had two fixed bridges and a movable bridge between with which ancient theorists determined their scales. part of the instrument has 44 strings, and the bridges are designed especially for each composition. They are knocked down, and other bridges are set up to produce a completely different pattern of sound. The twin half of the instrument also has 44 strings and still another bridge setting. Still another evolution of an ancient idea. So this is where the uh, first part of this documentary ends. The second part is also on YouTube, but I think we're just going to let, maybe we'll put both of them uh, in rotation in the lake. And the listeners can, you know, go to YouTube, search for 
the music of Harry Parch. Was that it's the name? Uh, it's the Harry Parch Music Studio. The Harry Parch Music yeah. Studio, yes. And it's in part one and part two. Yeah, check out this yeah. uh, incredible figure yeah. of American music. Yeah. Um, Where do we go from here, Greta? Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight. And uh, I can say thanks to everyone tuning in. And thanks to the Lake Radio for inviting me on the show. Well, thanks for having us here. Uh, it's been it's a pleasure. I mean, I'm happy I had somewhere that I could invite you to <laughs> in the end because I didn't know where I'd be living when you asked me. So it's uh, it's nice to have a roof over my head and also your heads for tonight. <laughs> um, Are you staying in Copenhagen? I am, yeah. For good? Yeah, for good. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, all of these projects and new projects we're gonna be see we're gonna see on the Copenhagen scene these next years. Sure, yeah, they'll be they'll be out and about. You talked about um, wrapping it up with a piece called Gestalt Minimal or Gestalt Minimal. Yeah, and it's a part of a series of compositions, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a series that I kind of started in a way. Wait, sorry, there's a some action happening on the floor here with Jackson the dog he's actually eating he's eating the scores now so he's enjoying them maybe he's maybe he's picking out an example actually because this is Gestalt Minimal that he's got his teeth around right here is some of the Gestalt Minimal pieces um, so, Which so one they look a bit like out? this lots of them are written just with these straight lines because they're kind of structures built around single pulsing notes and it's a whole set of pieces that are just working with these kind of single pulsing notes but this one that he has been eating is for a full brass band yeah is that the one that you're going to play that's the one that i'm going to play wow. yeah um and yeah so i've i've written i've written a few like one for strings and one for um choir and one for brass and woodwind and then yeah now i'm doing a couple more this year coming up organ version and yeah. one for mixed ensemble which is for dam capellet for their festival this year at concertkirchen so there's going to be a few more episodes in the gestalt minimal <laughs> saga <laughs> lots of sagas that i'm doing Organ version for uh, Organ Sound Art Festival. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is going to be very exciting. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. The, well, maybe we should listen to it, but then also to f like uh, round up this whole series of uh, yeah. programs called Sjøns uh, Folk. It's the 10th episode, and it's actually, f for the time being, the last episode. I think maybe we should continue at some point, but maybe go on a break for a while. It's just a super nice way to do radio. Invite yourself to come to different people's apartments or rehearsal spaces or whatever. Do some live radio and, and go back home. It's a nice way to get out of our small um, studio. Yeah. And um, a nice way to get guest curators. And also we've got a little bit of funding from Danish Composer Society and DLBFA. So thank you very much for, for that. Just keeps the... Ship floating. Yeah. <laughs> and um, thanks to all the participants, I won't mention them by name because I can't remember them all, but uh, you can listen to the whole catalog on our SoundCloud. 
There's a playlist called Søens Folk. A bunch of interesting artists and composers and musicians. And yeah, and once again, thank you so much, Greta, for having us. Thank you very much. Can you shortly introduce the piece that we're going to listen to? Yeah. Again? So now we're going to listen to the Gestalt Minimal Brass and Woodwind MIDI, MIDI version. <laughs> <laughs> 